Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. This gospel is talking to us today on the one hand about the importance of clothing and wearing the right thing because at the end of our passage we saw some very grave consequences to a person that took place to a person who was wearing inappropriate clothing. This wedding guest didn't have on the right clothes and so the king had him tied up and then thrown outside into the darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Ancient Jewish listeners, they knew exactly what that meant. The place of darkness with wailing and grinding of teeth was the place of the dead where there would be eternal separation from God, there would be torment. Nowadays we call it hell. So it's a very serious consequence for not dressing in the appropriate fashion. Now, I'm certainly a believer in wearing the right things to Mass, especially on Sundays. It's supposed to be a day in which we dress up, put on your Sunday best. And it's not just because there's a dress code. You know, we're certainly not going to tie anybody up and throw them outside the basilica if they show up with flip-flops. But it is educative. It helps us. Dressing in a certain way reminds us about how important this event is, how solemn of a moment this is to be. It's not just for the sake of other people, it's for the sake of ourselves. Like, I know I need to dress differently on the Lord's Day because it's the Lord's Day and there's nothing else as important as the Lord. He deserves it. Nobody's going to go with swimming trunks to the coronation of an English monarch or the inauguration of a U.S. president. But at the same time, that being said, we're not Pharisees. We don't emphasize the external appearance above all other things. So we don't want to interpret this parable on an exclusively literal sense, but rather, keep in mind, it's a parable. This person's clothing, what this person was missing, it symbolizes something else. The parable in general, it's based upon a very typical event that would have taken place in the ancient world, but there's a lot of unexpected twists to this parable. So we have the normalcy or the normalcy of a wedding feast, and the king is throwing this reception for his son, and he invites people, and the first strange thing is that they turn him down. They turn down a royal wedding feast invitation, and he sends more people, and they, re they respond with indifference or hostility. They killed some of the messengers. You know, if you don't want to go to a party, you just say no. You don't take the person into the backyard and beat him up and kill him. And then the king, when he hears about this, it says he became enraged. And what does he do? He doesn't just kill them. He burned their whole city to the ground. And then he goes out and he invites anybody and everybody they can find on the streets into the wedding hall to celebrate. And then finally, we have this person being chucked out because he's wearing the wrong attire. So the symbolism here is very rich. The king who is throwing the wedding feast is God the Father. He's inviting the chosen people to come to the wedding feast, to espouse themselves to his son, because it's not the king's wedding, it's the son of the king's wedding. The king is throwing the wedding feast for his son. 
And so God the Father is inviting people into this nuptial union to celebrate this nuptial union of his son Jesus Christ with the church. But the chosen people, for the most part, rejected the invitation and they killed the people that brought the news of that invitation. And then this, it says in the parable that the king destroys their city. But historically speaking, we know that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in the year 70 AD, so 40 years after this parable was proclaimed. So it's a prophetic parable on that level. And then this inviting anybody and everybody they can find on the main roads, that's the evangelizing of the Gentiles, bringing in the people who were not the chosen people, bringing in Gentiles into the church. The good and the bad, it says. The parable says, the good and the bad came into the wedding feast. That's an image of the church. The church is made up of weeds and wheat. It's made up of good fish and bad fish. It's all one field, but we're kind of mixed together until the judgment when the king comes into the wedding hall and he sees the one person who is dressed inappropriately. So what does this clothing represent? Like, what is this garb that this person doesn't have on that is so fundamental? Because you can maybe accuse the king of acting in a unfair fashion. Because after all, if we were just on the streets and somebody runs up to us and says, come on to this party, there's a wedding feast, and we just show up how dressed however we are, that doesn't seem so un unreasonable. Maybe the guy was too poor to even afford anything. Maybe he was traveling. Maybe he didn't have time to go home and put on his Sunday best. But historically speaking, it was incumbent on the host to provide a kind of ceremonial garb for the guests of a wedding. Like when you bring your children to be baptized at a church, oftentimes the parish will have a symbolic white garb that they will impose on the child right before baptism as a symbol of that child's purity of soul. So most of the time the parents don't bring it, but the church will provide it. And something similar was happening in weddings in the ancient world. And so the fact that this guy isn't wearing the right clothes isn't because he's too poor to afford them or because he just didn't have the right set on hand. He made a deliberate decision to not wear the attire provided by the host. It'd be like if a millionaire were to throw a black tie dinner for a number of homeless people, but then he was to rent hotels with showers and put out a set of clothing for them with shoes and they decide not to dress up and not to shower. And so it's not as if this person is being punished for what he couldn't avoid. But this person is suffering the consequences of what he chose to not do. But what is it when we take this parable and we apply this parable to real life? Like what is the message our Lord is trying to communicate? What is this clothing that was missing? There's a couple of biblical passages that are relevant. One is from Isaiah, where Isaiah talks about how God gives him a garment of salvation and he's covered with a robe of righteousness. Garment of salvation, robe of righteousness. And then in the book of Revelation, we have another passage describing at the marriage feast of the Lamb, how the bride is clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. And then the book of Revelation says, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And so in both of these passages, 
the clothing that God gives to people are good works, righteous deeds, garments of salvation. And so what this person is missing is behavior proper to coming into the church. The wedding hall is the analogy, is the symbol of the church. He's there, but he's not dressed the right way. He's not behaving the right way. A person without the wedding garment is a person without grace. So in summary, we see that in this parable, everybody's invited, the good and the bad. Everybody's invited to come to the church. The good people are invited to become better. The bad people are invited to convert, but it is also possible to come to the church and not convert, not change, not garb yourself with the garment of salvation, righteousness, good works. So this person who is tied up and chucked out, he's a symbol for maybe somebody who received the sacraments of initiation when they were younger, maybe somebody who identifies as Catholic, maybe somebody who even comes to certain church events, but they are not garbed with God's grace. One clear way to, or one clear place that we have to apply this parable is to the current synod on synodality. Pope Francis has repeatedly emphasized the importance of the church being a church in mission, church going out, church reaching out to people on the, on the peripheries, bringing in everybody into the church. We need to evangelize in a non-discriminatory fashion, bring in the good and the bad alike, which is of course true. But then we also have the message, the second message from today's gospel is once we come into the marriage feast, once we come into the church, there needs to be the donning of the right clothes, the putting on of the vestments of grace. Because there are some people that dream of a church that welcomes everyone, but converts no one. Who rather than helping people become saints, just want to bless their sinful relationships and ignore their sins. But because God loves each of us, he wants to free us from our sins, not just tolerate our sins. We've got a duty to take off our duty. We have a duty to take off our dirty clothes and put anew our dazzling baptismal garments, rejecting Satan, rejecting his empty works, rejecting his evil promises, and living in communion with God. I want to end with just a single mystical thought, if you will. This is not my creation, so don't attribute it to me. But when the gospel passage is talking about this person not wearing the right clothes, the translation today said, he saw, the king saw a man not dressed in a wedding garment. The actual Greek there is, the king saw a man not put on the wedding garment. He had not put on the wedding garment. And why do we care about that? Because that same verb, that same Greek verb for put on, is used in many other places of the New Testament. And they're not parables. St. Paul will repeatedly talk about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not putting on any clothing or garments or external things, but putting on nothing less than Jesus himself. He told the Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He told the Colossians that by accepting faith, they had put off the old man with its practices and have been clothed or have put on the new man. 
he exhorts the Ephesians to do this, saying, put on the new man who has been created in God's image. And finally, to the Galatians, he said, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the wedding garment. That's what we need to have on. Nothing less than Jesus himself. It's not a primarily an ethical matter, but an ontological one. It's not primarily about what we do, but who we are. It's not about the actions we perform or our behavior, but it's about our identity, our mode of being. We need to be changed in the deepest sense of our essence into other Christs. Because when the king comes into the wedding hall, he's not just going to make sure we're doing the right things. He's looking to see the reflection of his son in us. He's looking to see us as other Christs. He will be satisfied with nothing less than seeing us embody the spirit, the actions, the words, the thoughts, the being of his son. Ask yourself today, when people look at me, do they see Christ? Why not? Maybe there are ways they see Christ in us. Let's try and do that more. But what is one way today that I can put on Christ, that I can be more like Christ, that I can vest myself with the wedding garment of Christ himself? May the Blessed Virgin Mary pray for us so that this communion that we're about to receive, the body of Christ, might serve as a strengthening source of grace so that we might be more like Jesus Christ.